I had no intention of starting quite this way, but I love that part. Hallelujah. Glory be to our great God. Ultimately, that's what we're here for, are we not? We are here to glorify God. He is worthy of all of our praise. And if you're sitting here this morning, you're thinking, doesn't seem that way to me. Give me a few minutes. We should get there. And we should be praising God together. The concept is revival. Some of us are going, I feel revived. I feel I love Jesus. Praise God. Me too. And Tom, thank you for the kind words earlier. You said I have the sentness. Being sent. Well, I was at Costco a couple of days ago, and I think I, Caitlin, what did I end up talking to? About five Costco guys? One in the refrigerator guy was working away in there. I was having a chat with him. How can we not share the great joy that Christ has done for us? How can we not share that? So hallelujah. So we're going to talk about revival. What I thought we would do, we're moving toward um, sanctification. Sanctification is the concept of a life that's fully devoted to Christ. But before we go there, I don't know where everybody is in their journey with Christ. Some of you may be here and you have not started the journey and that's okay. I'm glad you're here. Praise God. He has you here for a reason. And yes, I am going to use some Christian terms. Some of them seem kind of big. Don't be afraid. (laughs) It's all right. Because I was in that, I was in your shoes uh, some time ago myself. And I didn't understand these strange words that these Christians used. But they're good words. And they're words that we can't lose. And in a society that seems to want to make Christianity very simple and bring it down to a, a a language of our society, we still need to maintain some of our Christian terminology in order to uh, communicate important ideas. So, um, I will be using those terms. So, let's jump in, shall we? Did anybody see this on the, um, on the um, what do we call that? The church email? Yeah. Um, next slide. Okay, I'm going to get the buttons. Okay, um, did anybody see this this week? What does our culture call holy? Did anybody see that? Okay, well, that's good. No one saw it, so this is fresh. <laughs> Think about that for a second. What does our culture call holy? Yeah, that's the same uh, thing I had, too, as I was sitting there going, what does our culture call holy? And I'm thinking,
I don't think it calls anything holy, does it? Do we know what the profane is? Well, we've got no problem with that one. How many of you right now just thought, when you saw the, the, the question, what in our culture is profane, and you thought, pretty much everything. Does anybody think that with me? Yeah. Yeah, me too. So, let's, um, let's talk about that for a second. We have a sin problem, don't we? How many people, and maybe you don't even have to hold your hands up, I would hope you would, um, just because how many of us think we have a sin problem? That's great. I figured you would because that's what we're here, aren't we? <laughs> would we be here if we didn't think we had a sin problem? Probably not. We'd probably think we're okay, we're good to go, you know, hey, we don't need to go to church, right? So, we all understand that we do have a sin problem, and that's why we're here. But looking now before our life with Christ, for those of you that know Christ, those of you that know him, look back. Did you like your life before Christ? How was your life before Christ? I can tell you I'm glad that I came to Christ because I'm not sure where I would be right now. Quite frankly, I think I might be in prison. And I don't think that's an exaggeration. What would hold us back, really? What would change us? Can we change on our own? Can we change without the Creator changing us? We were um, in a state of, like with Adam and Eve, they were um, bearers of the image of God. We are the bearers of the image of God. But our image that we have has been perverted. Sin has perverted the image of God. And without Christ, okay, you ready for this? All those around us that don't know Christ, they are dead. They are not alive. They are walking around the world. They're talking. They're doing all kinds of stuff. But those are not live people. Those are dead people. They are dead until they come to Christ, and then they become alive. That's what God does. God doesn't come. If you come to Christ, he doesn't come to kind of fix you up, to polish you, to make you a little bit better. No, 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 no. No, you're dead. He's come to bring you life. And that has some uh, um, implications for us as we go about talking to people, whether they be in Costco's, Costco or, where, or at um, Stater Brothers, wherever we are. You may run into someone that's dead that needs to be talked to about Jesus so they can be alive. Holiness, and I put this down, and I really have to explain this. Holiness is the opposite of sinfulness. Kind (laughs) of. What I put up here is that holiness is life. Holiness is uncommon, and I'll explain that in just a moment. Sinfulness is dead. It's extremely common. In the Old Testament, there's a word that, that the, uh, that's in Hebrew, and I hope that I'm not um, butchering this word too poorly, but um, I think it's kadosh, 
Kadosh. It's used 830 times in the Old Testament, and it means to be set apart for a special purpose. And those of you that know your Bibles, um, you could think of different scriptures that talk about uh, people that were set apart for a purpose, and usually the Holy Spirit came on them uh, momentarily for them to do a task, to perform some kind of, of activity, to proclaim something, and then the Holy Spirit would depart. Some places were kadosh. They were separate. The tabernacle was one of them. You step foot in the tabernacle, they actually tied a rope around the high priests because if he went in and he died, you got to pull him out because you can't go in. Because if you go in, what happens to you? You're going to die with the other guy with the rope around his uh, waist. So they literally tie a rope around his waist and if he didn't come out in enough time, they started pulling and drug him out. No one, no one, I'll even say this one more time, no one steps into God's presence and lives. No one. Angels don't step in God's presence and live. It says that they cover their bodies with two wings, they cover their faces with their other two wings, and they fly in God's presence. There is no creature allowed in God's presence. Period. You think, well, that's kind of harsh. (laughs) Welcome to a holy God. He is holy. He is separate. He is not like us. He is pure. And you're thinking, well, you know, maybe there's something in our world that would be kind of like it. Well, in the Orient, a long time ago, about a thousand years ago, um, if you were to see the emperor, you crawled in on your hands and knees face first. This happened in Japan and in China. And when you left... You crawled backward out of his presence, and if you turned your back on the emperor, he would have your head removed without you even thinking, oh no, it would be gone. Why? That was their God. He was holy in their sight. Very different than our time, is it not? Anyway, Getting back to the concept of separate, the separation. I was reading this, um, this um, meaning of the word to Caitlin, and, and, and in it, it said the word trodden. And she looked at me and she goes, what's trodden? And I'm like, well, it's an old word. Um, this is Trodden. Do you see about, what, 100,000, 200,000, 300,000 people stuffed into Times Square there? This is after World War II. This is the trodden. This is where everyone can go. Everyone has access. And we understand the word access today, don't we? Because of computers. Hasn't it helped us with the concept of access? (laughs) 
especially when you're trying to get somewhere on your computer and you forgot your password. <laughs> it's like, there's no excess. You know, like, oh, come on, please. I think it's this one. Does it have a capital? Is there a number? Oh, I forgot I had to change it. You have no access, right? And that's a real pain. And it drives us crazy. Um, that's not the only time that we don't have access. Um, the concept of no access, also, if I went to the White House right now, what do you think my odds are on getting in to see the president? Anybody? Could I just walk in? Would they say, hey, Jim, how's it going? Well, maybe if they talked to me somewhere in Costco or something, maybe maybe I would get lucky and run into somebody. But I'm not going to be let in, am I? I don't have access. He's just, he, and, and, and he's just the, um, the president. You know, he's just another person like you and I, right? We're not talking about God, are we? No. It's just another person, and I don't even have access. So I think that this really is, um, is, is, is a good one. This one's another one that you might be more familiar with. Anybody familiar with this one? Yeah? Look familiar? Familiar place? Yeah? Yeah, well, that's trodden. Well, kind of. The prices have gone up, so it's not as trodden as it was. <laughs> Access has been limited to some people who can afford it, right? But I look at that and I go, hold on now. I asked you earlier, is there anything in our society that's holy? There are some people, I think, that they think that this is a holy place. This is a holy space. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds funny, doesn't it? But I work with people that talk about this with great joy for like five days, every day at lunch, and they talk about being excited about going on the weekend. Oh, okay, hold on. <laughs> They're really excited about this place? How about us? How about us Christians? Are we excited about our God and sharing that holy place, that holy person, that holy space with them? Oh, they've got no problem talking about it. They talk about it with great joy. And it's like, sometimes I don't even want to go up to lunch because I'm really tired about hearing about Disneyland. Really. But I think this is a great one. Um, holiness is a separation of the trodden. It's a separation of the common. It's a place. Holiness is a place of inaccessibility, and um, the common is a place where everyone can go. I, and I hope that we um, keep that in mind. Moses is a great example in the Old Testament, is he not? He saw this burning bush, and I watched this show one time, and it just said bushes in the Middle East just accidentally combust all the time. Of course, they never showed us a picture of any video of that, and no one's ever seen it, but they seem to happen all the time. But um, here's Moses. He sees the burning bush, and he goes to see what it, what's going on. Now, this is a big clue. The bush is burning, but it's not being consumed. Okay, that's really different. Have you ever thrown a, a piece of wood on a fire and not see it consumed? No, we have not. So he goes and he sees the bush, 
And when he gets to a certain point, and I have no idea where that point was, but then God says, stop. Don't come any closer. For you are on holy ground. Take your sandals off. I could get into that, but I'm not going to today. Um, God and holiness are inseparable. Are you with me? God and holiness are inseparable. I want you to think about that for just a minute. God and holiness are inseparable. Sorry, Caitlin, I have to use your example again. Uh, I was telling her about this, and she looked at me and she goes, that means the Holy Spirit's in us, right? I said, yeah, right. So how can God be in us when we're not holy? I go, great question. Did anybody else think of that question? And then there's another part in Exodus 19.12 where um, God is on the mountain and the people of Israel are around the mountain. And he, God says to Moses, listen, put a boundary around it. Don't let anybody step beyond the boundary and make sure that they understand where the boundaries are because once you step beyond the boundary, what will happen? They will surely die. Why? No access. No one comes into God's space and lives. Now in our New Testament, we have a very similar word. Um, the meaning is holiness, but it's hagiadzo. Hagiadzo is uh, used 229 times, and in the Latin it's called sanctus, means holy, separated. Holiness Now, this is the part that's, I hope you take this away with you, because this is an important idea as well. Holiness precedes sin. Holiness precedes sin. We were in a state of sinlessness. We were in a state of holiness. So sinfulness is not something, it's a perversion of what is. Okay? Sin is a perversion of what is. Just as there really isn't, um, there is light, right? Is there darkness? Darkness is the absence of light, is it not? Light preexisted. There is no darkness. The darkness is just a perversion of the light, is it not? Are you with me? Make sense? So holiness precedes sin. And the New Testament adds another concept that should give us all great joy and a sense of freedom. It's to restore the image of God, to be free from sin. So now holiness takes on not only the concept of separateness, but it takes on the concept of freedom from sin. Holiness means that separation from the common, to be given access to the inaccessible. 
How does that happen? Hopefully I can make that fairly clear. Um, but I just want to um, introduce at least the two big $5 terms to you. Sanctification is the separateness, is the separation from the common. It's the separation. Um, it is the restoration of the image of God and freedom from sin. It's the separation from the common and it's the separation from the dead. But what does it mean and how does that fit together with justification? What is justification? Well, that's what I wanted to talk about and yeah, I tried to be funny with the yeah, the sparky notes. Yeah, I guess I'm sparky. Um, anyway, justification is the, the big giant umbrella term that covers uh, several things. And those things are, and some of you that have been, that have come to Christ, you'll, you'll be very familiar with these. Um, those of you that don't know Christ, maybe you are familiar with some of the things that God is doing in your life right now. But the first thing is there's the gospel call. I call it the gift that is offered. That is what Christ does. He offers us a gift. Christ's death is proclaimed. That's the gospel call. Um, We see, I think we see, I I know we all do, but I have friends that they don't think they're sinful. They don't see any need for Jesus. Um, That always amazes me, but okay. Okay. we see that we're, we're, we're sinners. We know that we need forgiveness, but we have no way to pay the price. And you'd say, well, hey, what, wait a minute. We can pay the price by doing good works, right? Uh, no. God calls us to do good works all the time, doesn't he? He expects us to do good works all the time. Didn't he expect Adam and Eve to do good works all the time? Sure. So if he's expecting us to do good works all the time, then is there a payment there? Is there a payment? If you're just doing what's expected? No, not really. So we don't pay, do we? We got no way. We're bankrupt. We have no money to pay God. And if we did have the money, what kind of money would God accept? Is that a good question? What what does God accept in payment for my sins? So um, we accept Christ's offer as payment for our sins. And we place our faith in him. And at that point, we are regenerated. Regenerated just means that God imparts a new life. He imparts a new life in us and makes us a new creation. Now, of course, I'm using justification again. um, But justification just means that God now has changed our standing with him. Our legal standing has changed. We are no longer... I'm dead. We're no longer his enemies. Um, We have now, he has now changed that in us. All people are dead and condemned to hell, but Christ pays a price and changes our legal status. He makes us alive. That's our legal status. We're now alive in him. And freedom to access the inaccessible. Did you catch that? We now have access to the inaccessible. 24-7, right? We have access to him. Adoption, 
then takes place, God makes us what? Members of his family. And next week I'll be talking about some of those implications of what those obligations of being in his family are. Because if we're going to be family members, can we do what we want? Do we get to to treat our house the way we want? Do we get to do whatever we want with our family? No, we don't. We all <laughs> we sometimes we wish we could help our family do things the way we'd like, <laughs> but it doesn't work out very well, does it? So justification, most people call it born again. Um, now some people think, hey, this is all there is. I'm saved. I'm alive. That's it. I'm good. Isn't that okay? I'm good. I can continue to live the way I want to live. Is that all right? Does anybody agree with that? Can we just continue to live the way I want to live? Really? I I, I work with people that actually claim to be Christians, but nobody knows they're a Christian. They're an undercover Christian, and they don't want their <laughs> and they don't want their cover blown under any circumstances. I mean, I work with people where, um, you know, even PTA people that have been there for like 10 years, you go, oh yeah, they're Christians, and they go, really? They're Christians? I didn't know that. Jane, when I die, I hope that that would never be on my tombstone, an undercover Christian. (laughs) I would hope that people would know. Well, I know that people know. Um, anyway, can we continue to live in our same manner as we always have? Now, (laughs) can you imagine an adult Christian that's still in a newborn state? Can you imagine that? Well, (laughs) I hope you can imagine it with me. This is a little frightening for me to put up on a slide because I thought, I hope that people get the humor here. Um, This is a newborn Christian that doesn't want to grow up, right? And I was in that state at one time. And you were in that state at one time. We knew Christ, but we really didn't know much about him and we didn't know what to do, right? So we were all in this state, myself included. But now that I've accepted Christ, we can't just say I'm good and that I just blow up every now and then or I have certain problems. So let's move on. I didn't get as much of a laugh at that as I thought I might. And when I was, when I was about to do the search, I really was praying about it going, Lord, I'm going to type in man in a diaper and give me something that's decent. I was afraid. But it turned out well. I think I found a fairly good one. Don't be that person. Let's not be that person. How many people don't want to be that person anymore? Please raise your hands and join me. (laughs) We don't want to be that person. Okay. So justification, I've talked about, and sanctification. Um, What has he saved us from? Has he saved you to just do whatever you want? How, how was your life before Christ? I know I didn't like it, and I'm glad that Christ is in my life and he is remaking me into 
to Christ's likeness. It was Christ's great joy, and I love that. It was Christ's great joy to pay. It was his great joy to go be tortured and killed for, your, for you so you can have access. It was his great joy to go through what he went through for you to save your life and to recreate in you Christ-likeness. And he wants to return you and I to the image of Christ-likeness that we once had, the pure image of God. And that's where we're headed more next week than this week, okay? Christ um, wants us to choose a deeper life. Now, most of you are sitting there going, oh, whoa, 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 I didn't know we had a choice. Yeah, we actually do. Let's choose the deeper life with Christ. But some people need a crisis for that choice to happen, and some of you just kind of process through that. Those of you that process through that and into the deeper life with Christ, I commend you. Praise God. I wasn't like that. <laughs> it took a little bit of a crisis. And that's what I've referred to in previous sermons about getting on the bus with Jesus, which I won't explain today. If you want to know about it, come and see me after the sermon. Um, God brought you to this point. He brought you to this point to choose, to pursue a deeper life with him, and that's sanctification. And then my wife loves these charts, so I had to put this one up. The differences between sanctification and justification. As you can see, justification is the acts of what? Who's doing all the activity on this side? God does it all, right? Do you see that the, these are all the acts of God? In his justifying us, he changes our legal standing. Um, he, it's a once and for all time thing. It is entirely his work. And the Holy Spirit is involved in, in our lives as we move through the Christian life. It's a perfect payment that we cannot add to. Did you hear that? It's a perfect payment that we cannot add to. And why would we think that we're greater than God that we could add something to? You know, to his work. Who are we? Seriously? Really? I know I can't add anything to Christ's work at all. And he, and he takes us along, and it's the same for all of us. It happens the same way. It's Christ's work alone. Now on the sanctification side, who does this work? What does that say? Acts of me cooperating with God. So now I'm working with God to make a change in our lives, right? Does that make sense? So now we have to choose to make that cooperative relationship work between God and myself. And it's an, an internal thing. It's something that goes on inside of us. Um, it is continuous throughout our life. Uh, we cooperate via the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the one that changes us. We're not perfect in this. We won't be perfect in this. 
But I tell you what, we will be perfect one day when we're with Christ. That will be the end of, of our um, sanctifying process. And we are all at different places in this. So if you're not where other people are, it's okay. It's all right. God doesn't dump the whole thing on us, praise God. And he only takes us how we can handle it. And praise God for that as well. Um, God's goal for me is Christ-likeness. Without a doubt. Sanctification is the deeper life with Christ. Holiness is a pattern of life that is devoted to Christ. Uh, Ladies, I hope I hear an amen from you guys from this. But we need Jesus to serve Jesus. Does that sound familiar? Come on, some of you ladies doing the Bible study, right? Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Gloria. Um, Sanctification starts with justification, and it has three stages. There's the beginning stage, which is recreating us um, into the image of God. It's a continuous process and we're perfected at his return. Now, here's what I want to do. I want you guys, we've learned a lot today, right? I want to put up some scriptures, and I'd like to see if you guys could find things that we've talked about, okay? All right? So if you see anything that I've read, and you see something like justification or sanctification or adoption or the Christian, um, sorry, the gospel call, or adoption, or anything like that, you just yell them out, all right? Okay? Are you guys ready? You don't sound ready. Are you ready? All right. Once we too were foolish and disobedient, we're dead, right? Yeah. Uh, We were misled and and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures, Our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. That is life without Christ, is it not? I mean, the people I'm around that don't know Christ, that sounds just like it. So that's dead, that's the common, that's the non-Christian, right? I love this word. But when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, come on, what is that? It is kind of justification. Um, He saves us, not because of the righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed us. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. So do you want to put that one up? It is justification. Good job, you guys. Um, Some of you didn't say it, but you thought it. I knew that. I could see that. He generously poured out his spirit upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior because of his grace. He made us right in his sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to insist on these teachings so that all who trust in God will, what's that word? Devote themselves. So what do you think that is? Nice! Wow! We've got the A-team out today. I love it. Let's go to the next one. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ 
is righteous. What do you think that might be? Thoughts? Justification? You want to throw it up there? Justification. I love this part. It's, and I didn't put this in there because we're going to talk about this next week. But the living a pattern of righteousness, that becomes an important part in sanctification. Living a pattern of righteousness. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. What do you think this is? Is this the, the uncommon or common? Common? This would be the unrighteous? The people that are living in a pattern of sinfulness. They are not God's people. They have no access to God. Those who have been born into God's family. Thoughts? Adoption. Yeah. Ooh, I missed that one. Wow, bummer. I, I, maybe I get it down here. Um, so we are justified. Uh, do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them, so they keep... Uh, so they can't keep sinning. They can't keep sinning. What? They can't keep sinning. We'll be talking more about that next week as well because they are children of God. So now we can tell who are children of God and those who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not believe, pardon me, who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. So this one up here would be the children of God would be the sanctified, and those that are not are not God's people. They have no access. And our last one, how are you guys doing with this? Is this a good idea? You like it? Kind of fun? Thank you for the thumbs up. Love it. <laughs> and you can do amens too. That's all right too. So in Hebrews it says, for consider him who uh, has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and give up. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin. No, we don't. And praise God, he did. And have you forgotten the encouraging words that God spoke to you as children? So up here we would have what? Any thoughts? Justification and sanctification? Well, it looks like justification popped up. Sanctification, nice. Does anybody think what this is going to be? Where it says, my children. Adoption, sounds like it to me. Yes. And it says, my children don't make light of the Lord's discipline. We'll talk more about that next week. And don't give up when he corrects you for the Lord's disciplines those he loves. And he punishes each one he accepts as his children. And then down here it says, as you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who has never been disciplined by his father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are not, that you are illegitimate and you are not really the children of all. So here we have what? Enduring discipline would be sanctification, and down here, this is not God's people, right? Now, I put this last, um, this last slide up just because um, when I made my notes, yeah, 
they didn't fit into the slides very well. <laughs> and I knew that some of you like to fill the notes out, so I wanted to put them up here. Um, some Christians never grow beyond um, justification. Holiness is a separation from the common. Do we understand that? We got a good grasp of that today? Yeah? Do I see head shaking? Yeah? Amen? Thank you for the amen. Um, sanctification starts with justification. Do we understand that okay? We're good with that? Amen? Amen? So next week and we can just jump right into sanctification and just go for it, right? The deeper life in Christ. I love it. And it has three stages. It's beginning with recreating um, us into the image of God, the continuous process through life, and we are going to be perfected when he returns. Amen to that. Amen and amen. Sanctification starts at justification. I gave you the Titus um, um, scripture. I also gave you the first John scripture that we went over uh, together. And then um, we did the Hebrews scripture together. Did you see, when you read the Bible, how you can see those patterns there? You can see those themes? Does that make sense? Look for those as you're reading the Bible. Maybe your Bible study has become a little mundane or a little boring. Come on, yeah, it happens. Hey, do this. Go, hey, let's look for sanctification, justification, and some of the stuff that, and, and that would help you in your um, Bible reading. For some people, this just starts the process. Yes, there is a process to it, and it is, I will say this, um, it's hard at times because God's calling us to do hard things. And at other times, he gives us a break. <laughs> which I praise the Lord for. He gives us like a little mini vacation from the process. And he's always very gracious with us. And, um, and some of us, we need a crisis. We're going to have to get hammered before we actually will say, yes, Lord, I'm going to give it all to you. I'm going to give you my whole person. And we're going to be talking about getting into the deeper life. So, if you don't know which one of these you are, if you've started the process or, you're, or you have to have a crisis, think about that. And then come back next week expecting us to, um, to talk more about sanctification. Okay? So I hope that that was clear. Um, now I'm going to invite... Are you still taking notes? You want me to leave it up for a little while longer, for a few more minutes? Yeah, I will. I will say this, and I'm sorry um, if I'm running slightly late. I don't really know. I don't keep track of that. But when I say that there's a crisis, just keep writing, people. Don't don't worry about what I'm saying. Um, when I say crisis, I, I I use the term getting on the bus of Jesus because in my life it started, and I thought I could just go on living the way I wanted to live. And so Jesus like was going, you can't do that, man. You can't do that, man. And I'm going, yeah, I can. And he's like, uh, no. So then he had some accident happen to me, and it was not bad, you know, but it was bad enough. And I went, 
He goes, do, you have, do I have your attention, Jim? Are you willing to devote yourself to me completely yet? And I went, nah, <laughs> not yet. Yeah, I know. Those of you that are laughing are going, yeah, I was like that too. Um, and then it's, it, and so when I say riding on the bus of Jesus, it's like I got on the bus and that was my first stop. And then he slammed the door shut and he just drove to the next stop. And he goes, okay, let's go to the next stop, Jim. Let's see how you like that one. Then the severity of the accident was much worse. And then he, it's like he opens the door and he goes, how do you like this stop? Are you ready to give your attention to me yet? And I'm like, no. I'm saved. And he's like, okay, he slams the door shut and he drives the bus to the next stop. And the last stop was the stop I got into an accident in which I should have been killed. I was on a motorcycle, no helmet, you know, a t-shirt. Was just bent around a truck that hit me from behind. Should have been dead. What does Jesus say to me while I'm recovering in the hospital? Do I have your attention yet, Jim? And I went, yes, you have my total attention, Lord. I will devote myself totally to you. And at that point, he was like, great. (laughs) Let's get off the bus. (laughs) So then he was very gracious in the way he's, he's, um, he's grown my Christianity and my relationship with him. So if you're on that bus, please devote yourself to Christ. And avoid, <laughs> avoid what I went through uh, for your sake. Anthony um, is going to be doing communion today.